Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Hey, y'all. You got your moon pies ready? Because it's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Today, the guys bring you four five-minute initiatives covering Raiders of the North Sea, Crystal Clans, Rising Five, and Prowler's Passage. They also bring you some flying squirrels. Hey, Marty, didn't you say something about paying me someday? Welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 144, Take On Me. My name is Marty. And this is Tony. Hold on, did, I'm sorry, did you break up? It was on purpose. Okay, I'm sorry. I honestly thought that it was stutter. It's like, holy crap, we got a connection problem. The reason why, and you should know this better than anybody from our last episode, I wanted you to remember me like I was in the last episode when I was talking. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> because you were recording at dance? <laughs> yes. Yes, I stuttered on purpose, but not like I was doing at dance because did Ma- Marty, did anybody come back to us and notice that? That issue I was having while I was recording at dance? It wasn't that you were stuttering. What the problem was. So <laughs> let me tell you the, the technical, a little bit background, the technical stuff. Tony was sitting at Dan's recording, but he was listening through a hangout. So what he was listening was delayed from what he was saying. Now, if anybody has ever tried to talk as they listen to their conversation delayed in their ears, you tend to drag as you talk because you try, you're waiting for the previous <laughs> word to finish and you just hang on to the last one. And as I was editing this, I was dying laughing because I'm like, is anybody going to think he's a little mentally slow today or something? And especially with the S's. The S's were real. And what's the name of that at last episode? Screening, streaming, or steaming. And 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 the S's. And I was like, streaming. I was just like, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> and, and mentally, you know, I, there's a delay. Would you just say it? And it's you, you couldn't get out. So I was I was getting tickled over that. But I don't I don't think anybody had any comments. They just thought, well, that's just Tony. He's a little off night. He's a little drunk or, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah the teetotaler that I am. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly or, right. Or, or, or the senalities uh, starting to uh, kick in there. So, yes. Episode, what was, episode number was this? This was episode 144, the classic song from the 80s. And Tony... AHA's Take On Me is probably one of the quintessential 80s songs, right? I mean, oh, yeah. when you think of the 80s, that's that's one of the songs that people typically think of. It's like, okay, prime example of an 80s song is Take On Me. Yes, and, and of all the videos from the 80s, everybody remembers just that comic book, how he's breaking out of the comic book, and, they're, and the drawing and the flipping, and he's sitting at the, um, the restaurant, and, and he gets drug into that. And yes, that was like, wow, back then, everybody was like... Look at those graphics. Look at look at that special effects. Everybody was went gaga all over that video. Okay, it's so funny that you actually uh, brought that up because that was my little interesting fact for the day. When Aha originally released uh, Take On Me a couple years before this version came out, it was pretty much the exact same version, and they released a video with it, and was basically just a typical video. Uh, them, uh, he, he was singing on stage, and it was it was pretty straightforward. The song tanked. It barely even broke into the the top 40 at the UK and was nothing here. Years later, 
somebody else, another producer heard the song and said, Hey, I kind of want to redo that. And they beefed it up a little bit, gave a little bit more energy. And they called in a special person uh, to make a a video for us, a a big time director at the time uh, for other music videos. And they came out with this video, this video basically sold the song. This was at a time when MTV actually played music videos. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you had a hot hit on MTV, you were going to have a hot hit on the radio. And that's exactly what happened with the second release of Take On Me. Now, Tony, you said they have all these special effects and everything that they did. Here's how they shot that video. They did all that video live. So they shot all the motions and everything live. They went back and shot the video on a wall with paper on it. And they traced out the characters, each frame, put those together and made a cartoon out of it. Man, I did not know that. That's wild. Yeah. So so if you go back and look at it now, it looks like drawings because it really is. And it has that uh, kind of staggered vibrating look because it's just a bunch of drawings. Mm -hmm. Basically, uh, they traced on paper and then made a video out of it. Kind of like an old animation cartoon flip book. Yes. There you go. Okay. So I did not realize that it was released before 1985. I know it hit the top charts in 1985. I mean, it was like number one in the U.S. Yes, but it was released a couple years earlier, but it got no traction. Okay. Nobody was playing it here. And if you, I went and listened to it, the earlier version is just a tad different, but not that much different. Tony, I would assume that this song yes. uh, is also part of this ongoing contest that you have like over the past, what, three episodes now where the song, the artist, the year and everything is, these are all clues for something. Yeah, they're hidden clues. From the Rolling Dice and Taking Names podcast. That's right. The first one, the Buckinghams from 1967, which was kind of a drag. Yes. And then last episode, Everyone's Gone to the Movies, 1975 from Steely Dan. Did you see where Steely Dan is actually coming to Charlotte? He's going to be in concert with the Doobies, Doobie Brothers. No, that is really cool, but... Since the guitarist passed away, I guess that's not really, it's only half a Steely Dan now, which, which is sad. I wish I could have seen them live because I heard uh, it was an amazing, an amazing show. I'm sure it still is, but not having the two original guys there would be kind of a bummer. Yeah, and I know Fleetman Mac is coming in 2019, and I was talking to Donna about that, and I said, kudos to those guys for performing on stage. I mean, just, I know, I mean, I look at you when you go perform on stage or when you used to. Could you imagine trying to do the the tambourine, Stevie Nicks, doing the tambourine? I, she'd be throwing out a shoulder or something, having to do some icy hot. Man, I had, I had a brain fart. Walter Becker. Walter Becker was the guitarist, Donald Fagan and Walter Becker. So, no, I did, I did not know that. And again, I, I know some people that went and saw them just a couple years ago here in Charlotte and said it, it the the concert just gave you chills. They had a, you know, a big band on stage, big production, everything. They said it was just Really, really tight concert. So anyway, so that's the second song. And then the third song is what? 1985's Aha Take On Me. That's it. Those are the three songs so far. And of course, if you follow us on the Board Game Geek Guild, number 1589, I've got the running uh, posting of that, that lists them all where you're allowed to do your guess. First one to get a guess gets a prize. I haven't decided what. Depends on how long this goes. The prize gets better the longer this runs. This could go the way I've got it planned out. I've got at least 20 of these. Set aside. Ready. Are you serious? Yeah. I was going to ask you, is there a certain point where it's like, okay, you guys are idiots. I'm done. I have no more clues. But you got 20, which is we lose two episodes a month. So well, you got 10 months worth of clues. Yes, I, or thereabouts. I can get us to the end of the year. Yes. I, I, I got some fill-ins. that They're not as strong as the other ones. But that, they'll work. 
Uh, okay. I, I'm, I mean, you, he asked me right before we came on the air. He said, do you know? I said, dude, I have no idea. I have no idea how all these tie together. And you did say, and I think it's important for people to hear, that we said we need to make sure to announce the year, the artist, and the name. That's right. Okay, so I think those three were important. So I was just going based off name alone, but you say we need to make sure to give the artist the year and the name. So all three of those go together. Uh, go out to our guild if you have any guesses. Uh, I guess guesses are free, right, Tony? People can make guesses all they want. You just tell them whether they're right or wrong. And people are doing that. Now, what is it where when you go into a social deduction game or some type of game where, oh, an escape room where a clue is given and it may be lead to nothing called a red herring a red herring are you putting red herrings in these well you just put it in there by saying they all tied together with they could maybe they're not maybe it is the titles of the names maybe it's the artist maybe it's the combination of them you people are smart you will figure this out i wasn't saying they were all important i just said you just want to make sure that that we said them all so yes maybe one of those is a red herring and it's maybe uh, thrown me off too so that's my job so we got that uh contest going <laughs> and uh tony the, the first what's the first song that uh, uh drag kind of a drag like this is let's get to something that we did yesterday at the game store which kind of drug on a little bit longer than uh what i was expecting so we got a copy uh, the reprint of the game Hannibal, uh, which was a reprint uh, by Phalanx Games. It was on Kickstarter. I believe it was last year. And we got a copy. It's a two-player game. And I was like, excited to get with Tony and play its old Avalon Hill game. And it's called Hannibal and Hamilcar, where Hamilcar is like an expansion. So Tony and I, were going to sit down and we're going to play Hannibal. So Saturday night, I get out the rule book and then I pull out the playbook. Then I pull out the scenario guide. Then I pull out the short player aid, which is a huge, thick, two-sided document. And I went, oh, crap. I sat there for an hour getting through the rules. I get to the store, Tony. You didn't realize this. I got there 30 minutes before you did so I could finish the rules. So let's put this on, on, this, on the time here. 12 o'clock, I got there. Finished the rules. You got there at 1230. We opened up the scenario book and we said, okay, Tony, can you set up this scenario? That took, what, one hour? That took one hour because you were still punching. Don't you ever get on me again about punching a game when I arrived. I knew you were going to say that. Yes, I totally apologize. I did not have this fully punched. Luckily, this care. This wasn't a bad one to punch. Now, as we're setting it up, I'm trying to kind of go over the rules and everything as we're setting. By the way, this is this. This is this. This is um, Italy not Italy, uh, Europe, and during the time of the Second Punic War. Uh, it's this huge, beautiful map, and they've got gorgeous miniatures. I mean, everything just looks really good on the table. So I'm trying to explain how the game works. And, and you happened to look in the playbook. You said, uh, you do realize there's a tutorial here. I went, no, I did not flip that far into the playbook to see a tutorial. And, he, and you said, don't you think it might be a good idea if we just walk through a couple of the tutorials? Now, there were like six or seven of them. Yes. That's, that was well laid out tutorials there or almost kind of confused me at the beginning, but we got the flow of them. Got the flow of each tutorial introduced a new set of rules, new mechanic for us to play through. It was like a, it was like almost like a puzzle type thing. It's like set up the board a certain way. You have one turn to achieve this objective. It's, it may have been Rome needs to take over a part of Carthage or Carthage needs to take over a part of Rome. The whole thing is one side plays as Rome. The other side plays as Hannibal and Carthage. And it's an area control game. That's right. We went through seven or eight tutorials and it took us 
three hours? Yeah, thereabouts. I mean, with the setup and all, I think we finished up around four, four, 4.15 and then it took us another 30 minutes to put the sucker in the bag. <laughs> so over a course of four hours sitting there, we basically set the game up and played through some tutorials. So now, hopefully pretty soon, Tony, we can get it back to the table while we remember how to play. Actually, I don't think it's going to be that hard to remember how to play this game. Yes, there will be certain rules that will come in, like um, when do your guys die in the sea? Um, When is the um, interception going to happen with the army? How does that all roll out? But actually, and kudos for them on this uh, tutorial. It really did help us grab the basics, the basics of the strategy cards, the rankings of the generals, how to move the um, combat units. What is it? The PC, the political, um, it's not clout. It was a uh, political control. Yeah, political control. And you know, all along those lines. And as we were going through it, we were like, okay, I understand how this works. Oh, if I had done this with this strategy card, then I might've been able to achieve the objective. Instead, I used the text of it and I could not achieve it. Now, the first tutorials, of course, were for solos, but you and I, being the smart people we are, we teamed up on it, and we took it on. Right. It's going to be the little rules, but hopefully by then, people will have gotten their Kickstarter copies, and they would have created job aids or help aids for us, and flowcharts. Because, man, if you got me, get me a flowchart, I'm going to nail it. I've got this. This could use a, a flowchart, a really nice flowchart. Because like you said, it's pretty straightforward. You have a card that allows you to move or fight or, or uh, there's text on the card. You can use the text or use the operational points to move your guys around. It's just that, okay, when I move, I move. I'm near an enemy. The enemy has the option to do this. They choose to do this. Do they fail to do that? No, they do not fail to do that. They succeed to do that. If they succeed, this happens. It's like one of those just splintering uh, decision trees that that uh, that breaks out as you move around the board. It's that part that I think we just need to remember how to grasp. But high level, uh, it's, it's very basic rules. So uh, we are looking forward to get that back to the table because what we're going to do in a couple episodes is we're going to take uh, Hannibal and we're also going to take History of the World, which is just released by Z-Man, and we're going to play that and put those into one episode, because both of those, Tony, are old 90s Avalon Hill reprint games. So we thought, hey, thematically, we'll just do a show on those two games. Yes, we will. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Actually, I am lo- really looking forward to getting Hannibal playing, you know, spending two hours. Because, I mean, one thing you, you, you're giving me a hard time about, and everybody knows this, because... Um, somebody, I'm not going to name who put a gif of me up there being confused by the rules and then my head on the table. And we were joking around. It wasn't that bad. Actually, I was really stoked to play this game. It's, it's one of those, I, I want to play a tactical game. That's why, you know, Shadespire. Yep. You know, I, I'm looking forward to getting that back on the table and just any type of those games. Yeah. If you like tactical games, uh, we did get together. I got together with Nate and uh, uh, Mark from the Scurry Report this past week to play History of the World. If you like tactical games, then you're going to like that game. And that game, the rule uh, set is a lot simpler than Hannibal. Now, Hannibal's only two players. So that's where you and I will we'll go to the store again or something and, and we'll get our drinks all set up. And I'll make sure to have the board set up before you get there. Because what's cool is, is, is that the book is a bunch of scenarios. Scenarios and you set up the board for for different scenarios as you play. We'll just sit down and, and we'll go through it. So that's what's coming in our next episode, Tony. No, not at next episode. Potentially two episodes away. Two episodes because we've got other stuff in the works that we got to get on the table too. And real quick, transition us over. Way to go, Restoration Games. 
what was it? 2.4 plus million dollars or some ungod. Sorry, JR, you didn't get a car. But man, Fireball Island. Is a hit, man. And what's so cool, They, if you were a backer, which I was, they put a little bonus for you for, for making it such a success. What was that? Good for them. I'm not going to tell you. You had to be a backer. Well, that, that's a tease. Yes. Maybe, maybe they'll do some late backing, people. There you go. How's that feel? There. Take that. So once again, congratulations, Restoration Games, for their success on Fireball Island. Rob, get busy. Justin, crack the whip on the boy. He needs to get those other expansions in the hopper. Let's go. Tony, speaking of success, it yeah. has taken us five and a half years. And for the first time ever, a couple months ago, Tony, we got a one-star review on iTunes. It's not like a Michelin one-star? You know, a Michelin one-star is great. No, no, yeah, that that's really good. On iTunes, not so good. Hey, achievement. Yes, achievement. In fact, that deserves a cowbell, right? I guess. I thought cowbell was for excellence, but okay, sure. I'll take a cowbell for getting one star. And since this person was nice enough to do this for us, we think it's only fair that Tony, you and I should review his comment and rate it from one to five. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I say his. I don't know. It's Kevlar Umbrella. Could be a he or she. So I apologize for projecting that it's it's as a guy. It could be a very upset female. To be honest, I have no issues with a one star. I just appreciate somebody reviewing us. <laughs> That's absolutely right. But for again, for this momentous occasion, I think it's only fair that uh, we look at this person, the feedback that he gives us, and see what we can learn from it, Tony. Maybe we can learn and make ourselves better. Exactly. And not have to wait to the survey at the end of the year. I, I think to do this, uh, let, let me set some mood music here. Again, this is from Kevlar Umbrella. We're going to uh, look at the comment and we're going to break it down. Here we go. These crackers spend most of their episodes talking about everything but board games. We'll pause there. Now, Tony, when I read this, I said these crackers. Now, it's not spelled C-R-C-K-E-R-S. It's C-R-A-K-E-R-S. Now, I was yeah. very confused by that because I never heard that word. So I just assumed it was that old... 70s slang that I haven't heard since I was like in elementary school for, you know, like a white person. Mm -hmm. But actually it is a craker. Okay. Which is? is It's obsolete. It's an obsolete term. So maybe they, they left off the C. Maybe they didn't, but, but this, this term actually fits. I mean, or maybe one who boasts a braggart. Hmm. Do we brag? We do self-deprecating humor more than we yeah. Both. So here, here's the thing. For this to be true, I think it'd be more correct if it was cracker because this is a true statement if if it's cracker because we are white. Yes. Okay. And we are very salty at times, or at least I am. Ah, well done, sir. So you're saying there's a little bit more depth to this comment than maybe what's on the surface. You're reading between mm. the lines at this point. Yes, because yeah, because I am grumpy. I tend to come off grumpy. I tend to be a salty dog at times. So I'll own this. I'm good with this. Okay. The uh, last of the statement is talk about everything but board games. We do talk about a lot of things, but we don't exclude board games. 
It's just that, uh, you know, things come up and we talk about other things besides board games. So I got to d- deduct a little bit there, Tony, because that's, that's not entirely true. Uh, okay, I'm good with that. Let's move on to the next sentence. I don't want to hear about your cable bill or what flavor of tea you like. Okay, we'll pause there. Okay, that's valid, Tony. This person probably does not want to hear us whine about us dealing with problems with internet and cable and cutting cables and all that stuff, right? I mean, that's valid. I can understand that, but it often relates because we all have problems with our internet provider of choice or not really of choice. We get no choice. You know, it's a relational thing where you relate to the audience. But okay, fine. I, I'm sorry. I fixed all that. I won't. I won't whine and complain. I won't be salty. I, uh, okay. The second part of that says, I don't want to hear about what flavor of tea you like. This I do not think is correct, Tony, because there's only one flavor of tea, and that is iced sweet tea. I think what they may be referring to is our discussion a couple months ago on flavored diet cokes, or do we talk about flavored tea that I miss? I don't think we would have because I don't even drink tea. Okay. So I'm going to have to deduct a little bit there, Tony, because I believe it was a reference to the Diet Coke flavors and, and not the tea. Yes. Okay. Let's move on. When they bother to mention the tabletop hobby, they have nothing new. And that is in big capital letters like yelling. So it'd be like... When they bother to mention the tabletop hobby, they have nothing new to offer news or opnian wise. Okay, let's break down this one. So when they bother to mention tabletop, they have nothing new to offer. Tony, I think that's valid. I think we've said before, we, we, we don't, don't bring anything new to the table when it comes to talking about board games, right? I would agree with that. I mean, the, the world is so, there's so many podcasts on board gaming that yes, I mean, it's very hard to have something new other than unless you want it to be negative about something that's sometimes new. I will give you this statement except for other news or opnian wise. I'm not sure what an opnian is. Well, it could, maybe they, when they were doing the iTunes review, they were doing text to speech like I do when I'm, you know, texting. I don't like to swipe and all that. And maybe it didn't understand opinion and they thought they said opnian. Okay, that's valid. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. And, but tabletop hobby. Okay, first off, in this realm, a lot of people are taking offense to the term hobby for what we consider our relaxation, our, our entertainment. Some people are saying, well, you shouldn't really call it a hobby because this is a way of life for a lot of people. They really enjoy this. I mean, where else? I mean, if you think about it, Gen Con, Essen, PAX Unplugged, the amount of people that show up at these things, holy cow. Me personally, I, I'll probably consider it a hobby and maybe this person uh, con- considers it a hobby too. But, you know, when we do bring th- things up, like you said, there's hundreds of other podcasts. What do we do we're going to bring to the table, which is why we talk about other things besides board games. You could tell us about Moors, Tony, all day long, right? I mean, you're not hearing that on another podcast. That's where we're bringing something new to the table. Right. And if you go listen to the Mower podcast, they're all going to talk about the same thing. Size of the deck, mm-hmm. how many blades, right. the type of engine, yep. there's an electronic star, yep. how is the stability on hills? I mean, it's the same thing. I ask you, Tony, are any lawnmower podcasts talking about board games? Boom. No. No, they're not. They're not. Unless they're trying to run them over. I, yeah, we're, we're, no. we're the only ones that, uh, okay. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Next sentence. These guys are the worst the Dice Tower has to offer. 
You know what? That's probably a valid point, too. I'm not going to argue there, that. There are a lot of great shows in the Dice Tower Network. Being the worst of that bunch isn't necessarily the, the worst thing in the world. I'm good with that. I will own that, too. Fine. If, the, if I need to claim something for Tom, I can go up to Tom and say, Tom, guess what? I'm the worst you got. That's not I'm bad. That. Yeah, and and, and feel good about I've it. I've achieved something. Yes. I've achieved something. Yeah, that's right. Tom, we're the worst you got. Deal with it. I like it. I like it. And the, yeah, very, la- the very last sentence is, it just says, sad. Now, I have an issue with this, Tony, because typically a sentence needs a subject and a verb, and all we have here is like an adjective. I don't know. Is he sad or she sad? Are we sad? I, mean, I I don't know who, who is sad exactly at this point. Do iTunes reviews allow emojis? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they do or not. You think it maybe should have been a sad face? Yeah, I'm thinking maybe the sad as in there was a sad emoji. Yeah, but, it, but then it would be the emoji like, uh, you know, colon dash left parentheses. Oh. Tony, for me, after uh, looking at this comment and dissecting it bit by bit, again, there were... Potentially maybe two misspellings, a misuse of a word as a complete sentence, but there were a lot of valid points here. So with that, I'm going to give it four out of five stars. Oh, look at you. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to treat this like I do all reviews that I do on Amazon, iTunes, uh, any place I go. I'm not even going to rank it because it ain't worth my time. Wow. Just just leave it unranked then. Because if you don't talk about it, nobody knows about it. The more you talk about it, people hear about it. Mm. Good point. Well, again, thank you so much, Kevlar Umbrella, for giving us our achievement. It's taken us five and a half years, but I think we finally reached a, a, a tipping point, Tony. Now that there's one out there, people could just give them freely. It's like, I don't want to be the first to give them one. Now just let them start rolling in. I've got no issues with that. Let them go. <laughs> the more reviews we get, bring it on. I'm good with that. And you know what? I guess uh, even though we're Say we're a podcast about board games, and we rarely talk about board games. We, we actually do have a lot of board games to talk about in this show, because our last episode was our movie episode, so we didn't get to talk about any board games at all. So in this show, we're not going to have not one, not two, not three, but four five-minute initiatives and a bunch of flying squirrels. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Tony and I love two-player card games. That's why we're excited to try Crystal Clans from Plat Hat Games that just came out. It's by designers Colby Dolch, J. Arthur Ellis, and Andrea Mezzatero. In this game, each of you take on the roles of clans, and you're playing on a board. This board consists of zones. And what you're doing is you're do- each of these cards are units, and you summon these cards from your hand to build squads. You move these squads around the board and hope to take over zones that have crystals in them. And the goal is to con- control two of those zones for the purpose of gaining a crystal. And the whole goal is to gain four crystals. And if you do, you win the game. The concept is pretty simple, Tony. Yes, it is. But you forgot to mention that one about when my army is in your home zone and I ha- how I can also get a crystal if I force you to discard cards, right? Yeah. So if you ever take a an, a squad into somebody's home zone and you do an attack there or what they call an invade, they discard cards off the top of the deck based on the strength of the squad. See, every squad has a strength to it and a defense and an initiative cost. And that's what's used to move around the board in battle. 
the thing that really sold us both on this game is the resource management. Oh yeah, the pain of the initiative in order to do things because you mean you got cards in there, you got a board in there and you got this little bitty crystal and you're like, what the heck is this about? That's to track the initiative on the board because when you play a card and you pay initiative, you push that crystal towards your opponent's initiative side of the board. And as soon as you break into his area, boom, your turn's over. So you have really got to think about how to minimize the initiative that you give him because if you give him too much, like a big turn real quick, then guess what? He's going to come back and really hurt you with the battle or drop a whole bunch of clans on you. You've got to be very careful. This to me is one of my favorite aspects of this game because it adds that layer of strategy that we love from our Lord of the Rings game, but it does not include where you could pay as much as you want in Lord of the Rings. You've really got to think about how you want to use that initiative in order to get your clans on the board. Yeah. And part of getting the clans is, is you actually summon. So when you take, uh, you have the deck of cards and when you put units into your home area, you can stack them up to three. And then you pay the summoning cost of each one of those and you move that crystal towards the other side of the board and you hope you leave yourself enough room to maybe you can move it out of the home zone to leave the home zone available to summon more. This is very much a tactical game, Tony, which I found out and I stink at tactical games. It's about positioning your squads in, in, a, in good places to defend in, in case some, an enemy moves into a crystal zone, then you can move into a crystal zone and actually do battle against each other, which is also also very straightforward. You add up the attacks of both. You're going to deal damage uh, to both starting at the top unit going down into the stack. But there's also a battle card that both of you play from hand at the beginning of the turn. There's bonus text at the bottom of each card that are used during battle. And depending on what each person plays, it's kind of like a rock, paper, scissors thing. You'll get bonuses to help you in the fight. And Tony, the really cool thing is we haven't talked about is when you stack these units, order matters. The card that's on top is the one whose ability is active. And it's those abilities typically, which makes all these clans so diverse. That battle card and that rock, paper, scissors thing was the, probably the one negative I had on this. I wasn't really understanding the layout of those cards at first. Mm -hmm. Took me a little bit to grasp that. I wasn't sure. I'm like, okay, so wait, what? A bull beats a green thing, beats a, a white thing. I was a little confused by that. But after a few few rounds of it, I understood what was happening here. Because once again, that is another key strategy that you've got to understand. So I, I, I was kind of mixed at that at first, Marty, but you know, I got the hang of it. And so you can summon, you can activate your squads. You then, you don't automatically draw at the beginning of your turn, Tony. You got to pay three resources to refresh your hands. So you constantly got to manage that and as you move around the board if you do control two zones then you can claim a crystal but those crystals tony are expensive like eight or nine when you do that you just gave your opponent a bunch of resources to use on their turn so it's not really a catch-up mechanic per se but it's like oh crap i just claimed a crystal now you're going to have a big turn ahead of you for me tony i really enjoy this game there's a lot of depth to it they're coming out with additional clans they're going to have scenarios that you can play it's easy to pick up there's going to be deck building mechanics that's coming on later down the road i can't wait to see where this game goes i agree with you i'm looking forward to the expansion see how you can mix and match maybe there'll be some deck building aspects like you said that i can really get into who knows where where they're going with that but crystal clans from plat hat games i really enjoyed playing this game as well five minute initiative is complete we've talked about miniature market being on their mailing list because if you weren't on the mailing list you would have missed out on their big summer sale that unfortunately ends 
before this show dropped. I'm sorry, guys. I would have told you about it if I know, but I didn't even know. But I didn't know because I got the mailing list from Miniature Market. That was the Big Queen Game Sale or Valley Game Sale. You need to go out and check their site because you never do know when there's a new release that's going to just suddenly pop up that may grab your attention. For instance, I completely missed Lorenzo El Magnifico expansion at Miniature Market. It was gone in no time because I failed to get there early that day. Oh, it killed me. It's killing me, Marty. Lorenzo, I missed the expansion. And don't forget, <laughs> when it does come back and you maybe get on sale, you can also go to our link at miniaturemarket.com slash RDTN and get 5% off. <laughs> Thanks for carrying me to the end. <laughs> Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Rising Five, Runes of Asterisk, a Gray Fox publication designed by Gary Kim and Evan Song. Rising Five, Runes of Asterisk is a cooperative deduction and adventure game with a mobile phone application or a game master. Don't be a game master. Use the mobile phone application, people, because that person's just going to sit there. Players must find the answer code with the four runes in the right arrangement before the evil power devours the planet. All right, Marty, this is a co-op game from Gray Fox Games that people are saying is a pandemic-type entry game. In other words, it's fairly easy. It reminded me of Mastermind. It was a game where we had to sit there and decipher the runes based on playing cards to move characters around the board. For me, this game was okay. Hmm. I kind of enjoyed it. It was interesting. What did you think? Did you like it? Um, I think I liked it better than you did because I loved Mastermind as a kid. And the whole goal of this is you've got four colors that you're trying to do and what order they are on the board. They're like in a, in a, like in a little pattern. And you have to decide what order they are and what colors are out there. And there's a lot of different colors. And as you move around the board, you're fighting against monsters and stuff in order to collect these cubes. And at some point in time, when you have enough cubes, you can actually do a deduction. And that's where the app comes in, Tony. It's kind of cool. You take a picture of the current colors and their uh, orientation on the board. And it tells you how many colors are right, how many colors are in the right position. So then you know how to move from there. And also what's neat is the cards you have in your hand over the different players, like you said, and they all have special abilities. One is for moving somebody else. One is for swapping uh, the tiles in that configuration to make sure that you can try to get in, in, in the right configuration. So they all have these little different abilities, but you're not controlling one of them. You're controlling multiples of them. I don't know, man. It was like mastermind on steroids. And I just love the mastermind type deduction games. And uh, to your point on that, I think from a pandemic where you're just one character here, Based on the number of cards you have in your hand, you you play all that of that character or one. You'd only get to play a character during your turn. Yeah. And I did like that aspect. So, for instance, if I'm Echo, the guy who can move someone in wherever, I would put down my three Echo cards and I could do move him to a planet and then I could do fight the battle against the monster. And if I got people there, they could help me battle the monster to help me gain either additional clues or whatever I needed at that time. I like that because it wasn't one player being the dispatcher. We could all be the, the echo of the dispatcher. But the game ends if the eclipse completely occurred. In other words, 
I guess that goes dark and the evil was released. So that's how the game ends and we all die. Yeah. And, but that is triggered by basically, and I guess this is where the pandemic comes from because as you go through the deck of cards, there's these eclipse cards, eclipse cards. And what you do is you look at the current monsters on the board and they tell you when eclipse happened, how far to move that marker down. So that's, that's the pandemic you feel, but it's also kind of a push your luck because at the end of your turn, you say how many cards you want to draw. And you can say, no, I'm kind of good with the cards I got in my hand because you don't want to dig too quickly because you're going to find those Eclipse cards and you need to clear off those monsters first before you find one, which might get triggered at the end of the game. And, and battling the monsters wasn't that easy. At first I thought, oh, who, what is it? No, that was pretty tough from how, how we had to battle the monsters to get rid of them. Because once you clear out the monsters into certain areas, then that no longer moves the Eclipse down. And also you got to remember that if you run out of that one card, I believe it was Oracle, he was the one that could could um, maneuver the runes around. If we ran out of Oracle cards, oh man, you you were doomed. That was it. The game was over. So you really have to know how many. Well, how many have you played? How many has he played? I know. Yeah. See, now I'm talking myself into liking this game a little bit more. The app works well. I was surprised yes. how well the app works because there's also a time when you can just do a check. You can say, "Hey, is this color part of the uh, the pattern?" And you type in, and it tells you whether it is or not. Uh, the imaging thing is really cool. You hold the camera right over top, and it tells you. How many are in the right position? How many are the right color? And you go from there. Now, there was some questions I had about when it would scan in the images. It would There was a red border and a light blue border. I really wasn't seeing that on the app, but it all worked out. We won. No, we didn't. We lost. Yeah, we lost. But we did figure out the pattern. But yeah, that's part of the, that's part of the game too. It's like, well, how close we were to the pattern. But yeah, I, I give it a thumbs up on this side. Okay, so you like this. So you're liking Rising Fire and Runes of Asterisk from Gray Fox Games? I am, sir. Okay. Okay. You convinced me. I like it too. Five minute initiative is complete. It's time for Flying Squirrels. Two minute discussions on topics that have our attention. For now. Really like. It's time for Flying Squirrels. And if you're new to the show, Flying Squirrels is where Tony and I takes any number of topics and we talk about them for two minutes because, well, we got to make sure we limit ourselves to stay on track. So we're going to have a two minute timer. And after that, you're going to hear this sound, which means it's time to move on to the next topic. And Tony, I believe you're kicking us off this episode. Matt Ryan from Bezier Games stopped by Carolina Tabletop and he didn't know what he was getting into, Marty, because he said, come on, boys, let's demo some games. And we brought a. Oh, I tell you what he got into was some barbecue. Did he? Yeah. Did, he go, did you take him to Ooey? I did. Barbecue. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mm, barbecue Sunday. Oh, wait. We're talking about what they brought to the table. First off, Whistletop. 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 Whistlestop expansion. That's coming out. Oh, later this year. I cannot wait. It adds the mountains. You got to spend more resources. You got to spend more whistles to get over the mountains. A little bit more coal's going to come out. The mine plays a bigger impact to it. You really got to think about how the tracks are going to take you over the top. And there's a new added stock that you got to consider as well as you maximize your points in this game and see who is the king of the rails. And we know in our play that demo who the king of the rails was. It's always me. Guys, Tony rocks at this game. This is Tony's game. This is Tony's game. We played the expansion. He still killed us. I don't know. You're just at one with this one. That's right. But what I am not one with is... Werebeast. Uh-oh. Okay. Yeah. Now, this game is a set collection, but you have to be 
deceitful in your set collection, where you're mm. trying to gather up all the wear food. It's got these cute little cans of food. It reminded me of uh, Rebecca's Barbie dolls in their little cans that came for the kitchen. It was really cool. And you're trying to collect certain things to maximize your points at the end of the game. But if someone figures it out, guess what? They can eliminate you. And then you know how, guys, you know how I'm in social deduction. Um, yes. First to, to want to be eliminated. Yes. I do not want to be eliminated in this. But Marty, I really enjoyed the five-player aspect of that game. Yeah, that was one of those. It's, it's already out now, and I never got a chance to play it. But that's one of those I put in my collection. I, I, I really enjoyed that one. But we aren't done with Bezier games because Matt showed us two other games. In fact, one of them is on Kickstarter right now. One week, Ultimate Werewolf. This is like a merger of Castles of Mad King Ludwig and One Night Ultimate Werewolf merged together where the idea is you're playing a role just like you do in Werewolf over the course of a week in a mansion. You're trying to determine who's who. Who's the werewolf? Who's trying to kill who? But Tony, this almost has a cluish type aspect because you move from room to room. There's different abilities in the room. And if you happen to be in the room at, at night, you might can find out what role somebody else is. Yes. And I, once again, I'm not very good at these games. <laughs> I had no clue what was going on. I'm sorry. But there's no player elimination in this game. See, and that's a good thing. But I was closing my eyes and opening my eyes. <laughs> I was closing my eyes and opening my... Look, if you like the idea of maybe mixing One Night Ultimate Werewolf with a board game, this is kind of what it is, adds a special a spatial relationship to it. You go check it out. It's out on Kickstarter right now. Also, Tony... We got to play awesome. one of my favorite games from last year, Werewords, but it was Werewords Deluxe, where they're going to add some new roles to the game. They're updating the app. Still your basic core game where you have two werewolves that are trying to throw somebody off the scent of what the word is you're trying to guess. It's almost like a game of 20 questions. I liked the game last year. I liked the deluxe version, and I want to play it some more. And this was actually, Tony, the first time you got to play it. I did, and I think it was pointed out to me that we did not play with the one where the person has the ability or knows the word to help drive the questions to the right answer. Yeah, seer. I found it, the seer. Mm -hmm. We got, I think it was the fortune teller or something that's part of the deluxe and they have a clue to what the word is but they don't know what it is right. and it's like a wheel of fortune type aspect i mean we were all over the board with the questions and i felt like i do in a lot of these deduction games like there's no way anybody's going to figure this out so i i think they said i would enjoy this game even more if we played with the seer and not the fortune teller I, yeah your mileage may vary with that one but that's just my opinion while I was slumming in Raleigh with Dan Patrice from the Geek All-Stars, mm -hmm. he brought out, oh, just like you, he, he loves it because we get to play our deck building type games. But he dropped one on me, Marty, it was called Majesty for the Rim from Z-Man Games. Have you heard of this? I did. We got to see it actually at Gen Con last year. It was being demoed. This is what they're calling sort of a Splendor type game where you're trying to draft cards to build victory points. It actually, not victory points, you're trying to make victory points, but they're calling it coin. It's a change-making game. You're making a lot of coins by drafting cards. And if you do, if you have certain combinations, you get more coins. I really enjoyed this, Marty. I was really surprised at just the fiddliness of playing with the coins and moving them in and out. I like it more than Splendor. I'm going to tell you that. It was really a neat concept. And there are two sides of the cards. I'm like, oh, man, let's, if we play the B side of it, it really changes the game up. I mean, you've got to protect your town because you can be attacked. The various combinations, you've got to be able to place cards out there and say, oh, if I do that and collect that, I'm going to get more points. I really enjoyed this game. So I'm looking for Majesty 
majesty to put on the table with you and I. If you don't have a copy, I think you need to get it. Yeah, I, I don't. And I've heard so many great things about that game. And I remember seeing it demoed last year at Gen Con. And both of us were like, that, that seems kind of cool. I didn't realize it was it was already out. So uh, I, I am very interested in it because that's one of those things that looks like it'd be easy to teach. And uh, I love kind of the the, the splendorish mechanic uh, now and being expanded to other board games. I mean, it, it goes along with um, Century Spice Road. I mean, along those lines. But I enjoyed this game. I think it's one that Don will get in. But before my two minutes is up, I must mention, because Dan and I did, got to play Shards of Infinity. Woo, 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 woo. That was so much fun because we both, we actually made it up to the majority of 30. God, all the the term left my mind. I can't believe it. I'm not going to raise my two minutes, but he killed me ultimately. He had infinite power and blew me off to smithereens. The first time I've ever seen anybody make it to 30, but that was Shards of Infinity. Still loving on that game. I've raved about Shade Spire from Games Workshop on this show for yes, many months. You have. Yes, I have. Look, I love it's a, it's a it's a tactical board game with cards and minis. I get to paint my minis. I finally got to go to my first official tournament. Me and my son Travis uh, went to a store and we had the best time. It was the inaugural tournament. They had seven people show up. We got to play three rounds. And let me tell you, what makes tournament experiences so good are the others that are in the tournament. I've been to tournaments before where you play with a bunch of jerks and just ruins it. Not so in this one, Tony. Those other people were super nice, super awesome. It's one of those things that as you're playing the game, you kind of help each other out. When the game is over, you talk about the game. You talk about how you tweak the decks and can make them better. Uh, I really needed that because I came in <clears throat> next to last. But but Travis came in like tied for second. So he was he was really rocking it. So both of us had a great time. The community here is going to seem to be growing. But I will. I do have one complaint, Tony. When I walked into this store, let me just go ahead and say this is a little tangent within a two-minute thing, a little squirrel. When I walk into a store and I walk up to the counter, the first thing you should not say to a customer who has never been in that store before is, what are you here for? Hmm. And I said, I'm here for the uh, Shadespire tournament. All he does is he takes his right hand and points to his sign-up sheet over to his right. I'm ticked at this point. And I said, are you pointing at something that I need to do? I knew exactly what it was, but I was going to make him interact with Oh, me. you went grumpy old man. Oh, I went grumpy old man. He said, oh, you can sign up on this sheet over here. The tournament organizer heard it and said, dude, yeah, you can kind of help people out and stuff like that. It ticked me off. This was not the owner of the store. It was another worker. And I'll give kudos because the other workers were super nice in that store. But again, first thing you should say to, not say to somebody is, what are you here for? Come on. That gave an horrible impression of that store, but luckily the other workers redeemed it. Unfortunately, Marty, as you know, I missed a game night because I promised in my neighborhood I would be part of the game night here. Well, that's good. Build a community. That's good. I know. Building the community. So I post out on the game Facebook, our Facebook for the community, you know, that thing that people are using, Facebook, sort mm -hmm. of. And I posted it. in the community, hey, I'm looking forward to game night with everybody, and I am bringing... Ticket to Ride, Pandemic, Seven Wonders, mm. and a few other games. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm running the gambit. I've got you know a good four-player game. I've got a strong co-op in case somebody who's played that wants to show up. And then Lord knows Seven Wonders, while it can be challenging, hey, you can get a lot of people. And as it scales up, it's good, right? I totally agree. So I'm there. I'm sitting down with the people. Now, I'll admit my community is of of people who are, have been able to and lucky enough to retire. You know how when you look at it, when they look at your games, you can you can just feel the the, the glare at the game back. <laughs> like, what the heck am I looking at? Exactly. And I'm like, okay, I can see where we're going. 
So let me drop a good standby. Uh oh. Did you say strike? I did have strike in the bag, but I'm like, let's not go there. Let's let's not take them to the hardcore stuff. Oh my gosh. Let's go with quicks. Let's go with quicks. Okay, now that that's a good one, but I thought, man, strike is should be right in your wheelhouse. Oh, it was, but I'm like, okay, this this these retired people, you know, there is dexterity in that because you got to be able to hit the arena, as you very well know, and you don't want to be challenged by that. But they loved it. It was great to see them begin to capture the essence of the game, the strategy of the game. Sometimes there were some helping hands, but it was so good. They were like, really enjoyed that. Someone actually said, now, where can I get this? And now, before long, they're on their Amazon.com nice. ordering stuff up. I know. I'm like that. They start having a quicks night. It was a quicks night. And then Donna looks at the back of the board and she goes, there's another side of this board. I didn't know that. Yep. Right before Avengers Infinity War came out, a USA- No spoilers. I haven't seen it. I No spoilers. USAopoly sent us Thanos Rising Avengers Affinity War. Now, Tony, when I first saw this box, I thought, oh, jeez, here we go. Here's a, a superhero-themed game that's not going to be that good. So I broke it out with the family. This game is a co-op game. It's like a push-your-luck dice game. Went, Uh-oh, here we go. Push your luck. We got this big old nice-looking Thanos in the middle of the board. Nice, big, chunky dice. It looks good, but will it play good? Uh, Tony, we thoroughly uh, enjoyed that game. Uh, this is one of those games where you're trying to build a team. Everybody starts with one of the Avengers. And over the course of the game, uh, you move out to one of the sectors on the board where Thanos is. And each one of those sectors has either could be additional team members or, or monsters that you have to fight. And then you roll dice. You can t- assign those dice to the cards to either try to earn them for your team or deal enough damage to uh, one of the uh, monsters out there to kill them off. And that's the whole goal of the game is to kill off a certain number of monsters. Every time you roll, you have to use a die. And if you if there's not one you can is applicable, you still got to remove a die, so it's still kind of a push your luck. You build your team over time. It's almost like a deck building game because the more team members you have, maybe the more dice you can roll, and then you can start manipulating the dice. Tony, I had a good time with it. You got to play it, right? I did. Before we played it, Thanos had to battle Strawberry Shortcake mm. because we made dessert right before then, and oh, it was so good. But then Thanos came out. We played it, me and Donna, two-player, and unfortunately, it overstayed its welcome. Oh, why? I We just weren't making it, making headway against him, but the stones weren't coming up um, so that he wasn't building up a lot of power, and we were just trudging along, and then Thor died, and Donna said, if Thor dies, I'm out, and he did. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry. So the whole goal of Thanos is he's trying to collect all the gems, which makes a lot of sense. If he does so or kills off nine heroes, then he wins the game. Otherwise, you try to kill non-monsters to win the game. Hey, this game surprised me. It's from USAopoly. Uh, if you want to check out a fun, good dice chucker co-op game, I liked it. Tony didn't, so you may want to try before you buy. It's all over, Boomwinkle. Five-minute initiative begins. In three, two, one. Crystal Clans was the one two-player game that we played, and Marty and I got to play another two-player game called Prowler's Passage. This is by Alex Cavern. Cavern? Cavern? I think that's close enough. Unfortunately, what do you think, Marty? K-E-V-E-R-N. What do you, what You're do you wasting cover? a lot of time. I don't mean to be. I just want to give the man credit. He has designed a game that Renegade Game Studios has decided to publish. I think he deserves a little credit here. That's 30 seconds gone. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Prowler's package. Package. <laughs> 36 um, seconds gone. Leave me alone. In Prowler's Passage. 
God, would you stop stop making faces at me? And Prowlers, see, now I can't do it. You have really messed me up. You and your rival burrow into the city through a network of underground passages to grab valuable loot and gain control of key districts of the city. All right, in this game, you are putting down a Catan Road in between two districts. And when you do that, you collect a treasure. And depending on the district that borders your road, you will move a token towards you. During a scoring phase, if you have the most influence of that district or that district is in your side, you may score those points. If it's in your opponent's side, he gets to do it. Strategy of this game is simple. Decide which districts you want to control and collect the loot that goes with that. Various ways to score points in the various districts. Don't want to go over all that. For me, this is a very simple, quick, easy to play game that I enjoyed, even though you won, sir. You won. I'll give you that. Yeah. So when you first look at this uh, game on the table, it's made up of, of hex squares. And at the beginning of the game, uh, you deal out six hex squares and you put three and then two on top of that and one on top of that. So you basically got like a triangle. And at that point, it does look like a large Catan board is is on the table. And then each of the intersections between the hexes, you put these tokens on the board. And like Tony said, you got these roads, what they call passages. And when you lay one down, you pick up a token. So the idea is you're you're laying down a road, you're influencing basically is, is one of those uh, tokens. And the goal is to get as many to your side of the scoring track or the, the track as possible. So when there you score at the halfway point and at the end of the game, you're able to collect those points. So one of them is based on uh, if you get a lot of gold then you're going to want the yellow token on your side because it scores gold i mean they, they did a good job tony of them being color-coded the tokens yes. are, are color-coded to the same uh, types of the buildings there's one of them is you'll score based on the length of your road just like in Catan, you get points based on the length of your road but if you have influence in one of those houses uh on your turn you'll get to bo- score again so over the course of the game you're not going to have them all on your side and tony like you i let you just have you ran away with one of the houses so there's no way i'm going to influence enough to get it back to my side. So then I started focusing on the other. And then I could maybe deny you the tokens that you needed that will score with that. But generally, I was trying to make sure the houses stayed on, on, on my side. So it's this tug of war. This is one of those games It's easy to teach. Uh, it's, it's plays in about, we play in about 20 minutes. Uh, it has mm-hmm. its nice components. This is the thing I'm going to have to get out for uh, Vanessa to play. And I, and you have it now, Tony, to play with Donna at some point in time. Right. And I mean, it's, there's a lot more strategy to it than you realize because I was sitting there agonizing over placing my road because there's also those three secret objectives at the top. We're not secret. They're, you know what they are. I'm sorry. They're not secret. But right. If I collect those, then I get points off of those. So there's, there's a lot of underlying strategy, more than you thought. When you first put that on the table, I was like, there's not much to this. This is, this is not going to be a lot to it. But I was like, as I was playing, I was actually agonizing, had a little AP on putting my passage down, putting my road down. I was like, how can I keep you? How can I screw you up enough? to Mm -hmm. deny you points. That's a mark of a good game. Matter of fact, when we were done with it, I was like, hmm, how could I have done this better? And how will it change? And you're right, by rotating the districts, by rotating the tiles, by putting down the tokens in different areas, you're always going to have a different type of game that can adjust how you play. Yeah, exactly. And you also on the uh, game board, there's also these uh, statues. And when there's a passage coming out from each one of the statues, a person collects a statue. Well, you get a point for each of the statues, but there's also one token. If it's on your side of the board, you score bonus points. So if you happen to collect a lot of the statues, then you obviously want to try to influence the house so that it's 
scores on your turn. Uh, it's a nice little give and, give and take game. Uh, it's one of those that easy to learn, but then when you start playing, it's like Tony, during the game, both of us were like, had our heads down in on our hands, like, okay, what am I going to do here? He's taking that one. It's going to be out sometime in May, so you can check at uh, your local game stores or online. Remember, you can always go to miniaturemarket.com slash RDTN and get another 5% off. So that's Prowler's Passage, published by Renegade Game Studios. And yes, I went over five minutes, Tawny, because you took 46 seconds of it talking about something else. Five-minute initiative is complete. The Broken Token has their epic Rising Sun insert that is now available and they have multiple versions of it. They have one for the base game. They have one where if you got the Kickstarter version, it holds all those. Then there's a super deluxe version with this nice wooden case to hold everything. If you have Rising Sun and you want a good way to store this game, you need to go check it out at thebrokentoken.com and also to check out their other inserts. Recently, I just got the uh, Ashes Organizer, which organizes the, the cards within the base box. All my cards are in there. All the extra Extra dice are in there. All my tokens are in there. They're easy to get to. It's easy to assemble. Love it. Makes it easy to find the cards and get set up and build the decks. So if you want to look at those inserts plus others, go to thebrokentoken.com. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Renegade Games has just started publishing Raiders of the North Sea. This was a game that was released in 2015, but now they've picked it up. They're publishing it along with some expansions. Recently, I played both the base game and the base game with the expansion Hall of Heroes. This is a worker placement game with a Viking theme to it, much maybe like Champions of Midgard. And in this game, you're going to place workers and, and take an action wherever you put them on the spot. But what's different about this game is you don't have a collection of workers that you put down during your turn. You don't get additional workers during your turn. You only place one. You place a worker in a spot and you take its action. Maybe it's gain money, gain provisions. Maybe draw some cards. Maybe recruit some of those cards from your hand to put into play in order to build a raiding party. And then what you're going to do after you've placed one, you pick one up off the board that's already there and you take the action of that location. So on your turn, you're going to basically get two actions. One where you place, one where you pick up. Now, Tony, you like worker placement games. Did did you like that little twist in the mechanic of where you pick up? You get that action also? I did like that. I enjoyed that part of the strategy of knowing, oh, man, I really got to think. I need this action. I need to be able to collect coins or I need to be able to gain cards. And you had to think, all right, I am going to place a worker there or pull a worker from there. But... The really neat mechanic that I liked was the three different colors of the workers. You had the black, the gray, and the white. And you don't get those gray and white until you go raiding later in the game. And those are very valuable because certain spots require certain colors. And you don't want people to have to get those workers. You're going to try to deny them. You don't want to give them an easy color. You want them to work for it, just like you did. And oh my gosh, I can't. the AP came in. But what I did have an issue with, Marty, is as the game was progressing, it stayed on the table a little long for me. I really enjoyed it. I will play this game again anytime. I love the Viking theme, but it stayed a little long, especially with the Valkyries. 
because they tore it down for me. They tore my <laughs> ship apart, and now i got to rebuild it all. Basically, they kill your guys. The idea is that towards the end of the game, you're raiding. The whole purpose is to go in the northern part of the map and raid cities. In order to do so, you got to have certain requirements. A certain number of Vikings in your party, maybe three, four, or five. Certain number of provisions. Certain amount of gold. And when you go in to raid... You're going to roll some dice and you're going to add to your current attack values of all those. But if there happens to be Valkyries in that city, it kills off one of your guys. So what happens is, let's say the next city you want to raid requires five guys. Well, now you got to kind of rebuild back up again. You got to get the fifth guy in place. You got to get additional gold. You got to get more provisions. So what we found towards the end of the game, those cities that were super hard to raid, the game kind of slowed down where everybody had to kind of rebuild their forces and uh, be able to attack again. So the game moved along pretty quick. Then it kind of skidded and then picked back up towards the end. So no, I totally see what you're saying. Still, it was a very good game. Now, Champions of Midgard is going to be my go-to type game, Raiders game, because I love my dice, Marty. Sure. Love love playing the dice. Love the push-your-luck aspect of it. But overall, this game really uh, resonated with me. Now, you really got to take stock in the whole board because of how you score the multiple victory points, which I know you like. I do. There's uh, You just get uh, victory points basically like when you raid, which I talked about. But also... Dying isn't necessarily a bad thing because every time you die, you move up on the honor track. And as you move up the honor track, you gain additional victory points that are scored at the end of the game. But also you can make your party more powerful by moving up there, increasing the armor track. And if you increase the armor track, those are worth of additional points. And it makes your party have more attacks so they can do better rating later on. Now, Tony, I got to play both the, the base and the expansion. I highly recommend the expansion Hall of Heroes because typically when you draw cards in the base game, it's a blind draw. You don't know what you're going to get. With the right. expansion, you have three of them out that you can pick from. So you still can have the blind draw or you can go to this new expansion board and maybe get one of those particular cards. So there's a little more strategy involved. Uh, they also add a new resource called Mead, which can be used to help with your attacks. So I think with the expansion, the game flowed a lot better than maybe what it did with the base game alone. So I'm going to recommend that if you get the base game, get the Hall of Heroes expansion because I, I think it's worth and adds a little bit more to the game and actually makes it flow a little bit better and gives multiple ways to get victory points because it adds another concept called quests. And for me, I would play this game, like I said, anytime, enjoy my worker placement. And this is exactly all it is. It is a worker placement, worker remove. So should speed up pretty quick, but all in all, Really enjoyed this game. Five minute initiative is complete. All right. I don't know about talking about all these games. It's kind of long. It stays too long on the table. I like this podcast. Yeah. We need, we need to end this bad boy. But before we end it, we must give kudos where kudos is always kudosy. Okay. Okay. International Tabletop Day. We went. Queen City Game Club hosted it at the Vaulthorn in Pineville for us. Once again, credible German buffet was had by all. Maybe that's why Raiders seemed to stay on the table so long for me. Because we kept going up and getting food. Yeah, the pretzel rolls. They, they were sitting kind of heavy. Maybe that was it. Kept raiding the buffet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but had a lot of fun there. Great prizes were given out. We've got a, a wonderful group of people that are... Uh, running that club. In fact, that's how we got into board games uh, was this club. And from that, you and I started this podcast. So it's been around for many years. If you're ever in the Charlotte area, make sure to check out uh, Queen City Game Clubs. They're running events all the time. And I hope that everybody else got a chance to enjoy a tabletop day, whether it was at a sponsored event at your local game store or even just sitting 
at home because Tony afterwards, I I went over and checked out our local game store, Caroline Tabletop Games. It also was packed, not an open table in the place. So it was a big day for gaming. I know some people like poo-poo on the idea of having International Tabletop Day. Like, why do I need that? Because I can game any day. It's just for the purpose of all those who enjoy it to kind of pick one day of the year to kind of focus on, maybe bring some new people in, teach other people games, and try to build the hobby. It's an automatic get me out of the house. <laughs> I, I'm sure your wife likes to hear that. She don't care. She's actually, Donna's real sweet about that. She's She actually enjoys International Tabletop Day. Not just so much for the press of worlds, but she just enjoys taking that one day and knowing that it's a big day where a lot of people come together and play all different types of games. Mm-hmm. And by the way, yes. I think because Alex got the game club started, which led to us do, doing this, he deserves the one star, not us. Oh, I see what you're saying. If it wasn't for this club, we might not have ever started the podcast. That's right. He owns the one star. So I take it all back. I know I no longer own any of it. Oh. It's all on him. <laughs> so now would you give that uh, a review? I didn't rank it. I don't no, you didn't. I'm still not going to rank yeah, it. Doesn't matter. Speaking of ranking, don't forget we have a contest going on right now where you can go out there and pick which movie you think is going to make more money, either. Han Solo Star Wars movie or Incredibles 2? Incredibles 2, two yeah. which it will. Yeah, so that, that contest is still running. Uh, make sure to go pick uh, which one you think is going to win. And if you're correct, you're going to be thrown into the pool and uh, hopefully uh, win a prize after we're done with this thing. Hey, uh, speaking of the uh, the movies, I don't think I'm catching Chris. I don't think anybody's catching Chris with this Avengers thing. No, there's no way. That's ridiculous. I, Incredibles will be a tough one. Dan may be able to do it. No. But, no, ain't no yeah. way Incredibles is going to break this record. No Come way. On. No way. Oh, I'm pulling for him. I'm really pulling for him. I mean, I'm sure it's going to do well. Yeah. Well, by the time we record again, I will have seen it. So I don't know if we can keep from spoiling, but maybe we'll talk a little bit about it. Just a little bit. Because I hate going over a movie that you know everybody else has seen. You know, well, you don't want to take the chance. Well, no, we, it's one of those no, things. no, I hate, I hate spoilers. I, I've seen so many people give vague spoilers on social media. It just ticks me off. It's like they give this little, like a little wink and a nod. It's like, stop. I know exactly what you're winking and nodding at. Don't do that. People don't give away any sort of hints. Let me ask you something, Tony. What is the statute of limitations on spoilers? In my opinion, spoilers, as soon as it goes into mass release. You're talking about DVD? Or streaming? All, yeah, all of that. When it hits mass release... What's mass release? It's a mass release in theaters right now. What's mass release? Mass release is where you don't have to go to a theater to me. All right, so it's, it's, when, it's when they basically release the Blu-ray version. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I agree. That is my stipulation. But I've heard some people say two weeks. Like, no. Two weeks is crazy. Some people can't get out of the house within two weeks to see a movie. So I might be on vacation. Well, here's my question to people. And, and maybe, Tony, you can make this a poll in the guild. How long should you wait before you give any spoilers up? What's the statute of limitations from the release date of the movie? I'm with you. I say Blu-ray release. All right. I'll figure out a poll for that. Some people may say never. Don't tell me how the sixth sense, sixth sense ends. Get over it. <laughs> Go watch the movie. I mean, if you haven't watched it now, then... You're not ever going to watch it. Be be honest with yourself. But I appreciate you holding back, not giving me any spoilers, but I do have one question for you. Oh, what's that, sir? How many in-scene credits do I need to see? 
How many are there? So I know how long to sit in the seat after two hours and 40 minutes. Oh, uh, basically, uh, this isn't a spoiler. Wait till the very end. It's a typical Marvel movie. There's there's a scene at the very, very end of the movie. So you got to sit all the way through. And do you know how you know when you're towards the end of the credits? No. I've learned this over the years. When they start showing... um, Cities? No, the uh, cities, but also the credit to the music. Oh, okay. When they start giving credit to the the songs and the artists and everything, you're towards the end. I think you're right, Tony. Right after that, I think is the thanks to the city of Atlanta for letting us film and everything. So mm-hmm. you're right there. So you're you're close. I just want to know how long I got to stay there, or if I have a good bathroom break. I know there's going to be a bathroom break, so I'm going to go find out when that is because someone always posts when to go potty. So I will definitely do that and look that up. Can I tell you there's there's not one? And I say that's a fallacy. There's always one. I, I'm just saying that whenever you go, whoever you go with and you come back, you need to ask, what did I miss? And I guess the answer is going to be somebody hit somebody with something. There is some hitting. I don't think that's very spoilery. I think that's in the trailers. There's one person hitting another person. That does happen. I'm sure that does happen. So let's say keep rolling dice. Let's say keeping. No. Oh, my gosh. Oh, see, I took it away from your last episode and you can't even do it right. So I'm going to give you the chance to pull it off this time. I set it up with Dan so that you would not know and keep taking names and you completely flubbed it. So we'll keep rolling dice and taking names. Oh, my gosh. I had to think about it. Thanks for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names, Instagram Dyson Names. Join our Facebook page. Join our BGG Guild 1589. Leave us an iTunes review and make sure to check out our YouTube page where I do a bi-weekly news segment called Marty's Musings. All right, here are some of my favorite combo crackers. Ritz with peanut butter. Lance toast cheese. Nothing beats a town cracker with a good slice of cheddar. What are some of yours? Marty and Tony. Portalgames.pl slash shop slash en slash mini expansion. I didn't know this was out there, Marty. There is a Niroshima Hex 3-0 Iron Gang for $8. Look, there's Robinson Crusoe Herb Garden and Pen Gang. Oh my gosh, would you look at this? There's some more event cards. Oh, custom wooden pieces for Robinson Crusoe. Why did I not know about this? 51st State has new cities and new factions that you can get. What is up with this wooden palms and stickers for 51st State? That's only $4. Now, shipping might kill me, but that's okay. I know a guy who can bring these over to the States at Gen Con. His name's Ignacy. What? Wait. Ignacy? What is this Robinson Crusoe Treasure Island? You and I, Robinson Review, we got to do this. I'm in. All right. So please go over to portalgames.pl and be sure to click on the mini expansion for some things that can really add to your already favorite games from Portal. Portal.